I hate turf so much. And I gain a, an appreciation, I guess, for like Auburn's field. Although I don't go on it very often, but just the fact that Auburn doesn't have to deal with turf, like Auburn football doesn't have to deal with turf is like such a, it's gotta be such a benefit because turf sucks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. It took me one. It took me like two high school football games standing on it to be like, nope, this is it. I don't need this anymore. It hurts and it's hot. It It's so hot, man. Like the game I covered Saturday. So Saturday afternoon, like for people who don't live around here. Um, so there's a few like lo- semi-local teams in the area that got together. And they were going to have like a kickoff classic where it's like two sets of rivals and they like play crossover games basically to start. So it's Lafette and Lochapoca and um, Notasolga and Lynette. Those are the two games. And so I'm covering Lochapoca and Lafette, by the way, JC Hart, Auburn commitment um, is uh, one of the, uh, it was, was one of the players out there for Lochapoca. Looked really good. Um, I mean, his length really stands out six, two, he's got really good size. Um, I think it's just like like we said when he committed, like yeah, he pl- he's playing one A football, and that really stands out, you know, when he's out there in, in high school. But like, uh, you know, I think he could be a dude that in time develops the skills because I mean, I think he's got this, he's got all the athleticism that that you would want, and then um, I think the length is really good, and also on top of that, a guy who like dreamed of playing at Auburn. Those those guys are always cool stories, um, and and usually work pretty hard once they get in school uh, at Auburn, but. Um, so this game was like at four and there was like a lightning delay and it was humid and it just like, it felt like I was just baking on that, on that turf. I hate it. The rubber pellets, like I'm still picking them out out of my shoes today. Um, I, I mean, I get why schools have it, you know, I know in some places it's harder to grow grass. Sometimes you don't have the resources maybe to you know to have good upkeep of your grass um and you know i like y'all when when you were in high school the duck had turf right no that came after that came after yeah it was a few years afterward i can't imagine playing soccer on turf I would think like you're like you you would just like tear up your knees and ankles trying sliding is no good for sure goalkeeper had to wear uh, leggings or whatever it is those are called yeah so you so y'all played on actual grass of the duck yeah prattville had the turf so we we played on it a couple of times yeah and a lot I, of it seemed like a number of the atlanta school areas had it pretty early on i just i don't know it, they they played this game so these crossover games they were supposed to be played in lynette who you know small schools got a got a grass field it rained you know, there were storms in the area, so they're like, ah, if, I don't know if we can play two two games on this field. Don't want to tear it up at the start of the season. Uh, fortunately, Hanley, who right up the road in, in Roanoke, about an hour from Auburn, was like, hey, y- y'all can play here. And so they have a turf field, and it was fine. So I get that from that perspective, but I'm just also out there being like, I hate it. I- I'm-, I'm declaring a war on on turf. Uh, if you have a turf field, uh, you're-, you're not doing football correctly. I'll say that at the college level. Again, high school, I'm not going to pick on a high school for having it because of, you know, events and maintenance and all that. But, like, I don't know. Like, we hear it all the time about Auburn. It's just 
a, an actual grass field makes a lot of difference. And Auburn takes extreme pride uh, in, in, in their grass. And not just for football, not just in Jordan Hare, but like as we're recording this painter, Auburn soccer is rolling right now uh, in their first weekend of the season. Uh, they're up, they're up three, they're up three, nothing at halftime on Southern Miss. I know that field is, is one that a lot of people speak really, really highly of as well. I just, you know, there it's, it's one of those little fortunate things, I guess, of Auburn being an ag school, like you could, you could take, take great pride in how you grow your plants and maintain your grass. It's a much better aesthetic, you know, putting aside the practicality of it, as you mentioned, for some high schools, when you're working with a hundred million dollar budget or whatever you have at a large power five school um that seems like an easy thing to do trying to see who who has grass and who doesn't in college football that's what i want that's what i want to know i wonder also how um i wonder how brian harson kind of reacted like the first time he went out to harvard because like (laughs) the team he came from is famous not only for playing on turf but for playing on the most famous off-colored turf in all of football um you know uh I guess I, I guess that uh, I I would love to ask him that. That might be something if I ever get him in a situation where I can be a little bit more off the wall. Just be like, hey, grass, you like that? Is that is that a, is that a is that a fun is that a fun new thing for you now that you're not playing on blue carpet anymore? I associate turf with West Coast teams. Whether or not that's right or wrong, I don't know. Like, is it Washington or one of the Washington schools that? At one point, I had the track around their, uh, yeah. their field. Like it was a high school team. And then is the Stanford Cal famous play, was that on turf as well? That sounds right. That sounds right. It looks, I mean, like in the 80s, like the, the 70s and 80s, like all that, like when the tur- when turf, and I get that the turf's a lot better than it used to be, but yeah, it, it almost looks like you're just playing on carpet, you know, out there. I, that sounds that sounds right. Let's see, who has? Why can't I? Why can't I? Why can't I just pull up a list of like the 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 stadiums in in the SEC? Let's see. So we'll just pick on our neighbors. Kentucky plays on turf. Missouri plays on turf. Arkansas plays on turf. Interesting. Vanderbilt plays on turf. The that rest right. are grass. Vanderbilt so, having turf doesn't seem, for whatever reason, that that seems to fit them. Missouri not, you know, Missouri not having grass makes sense as well because they shouldn't be in the SEC. They it's more of a Big Ten school. By the way, the teams uh, in the Big Ten that have turf are all of them except for. Penn State, which I know that's something they take great pride in. Purdue, another ag school, engineering school. Northwestern. I, I, I'm surprised that Northwestern has grass. And East Lansing, Michigan State has grass. Um, so, yeah, Missouri makes sense. Kentucky, I guess. I don't know, man. Like, Kentucky, I, I don't know if bluegrass would necessarily make a make make for a good football field. I don't know a whole lot about grasses, but uh, that it seems like you're missing an opportunity there if you're not going to use grass in Kentucky. And then Arkansas, man, like this is uh I know your vendetta these days is are you more on are you more still on hung up on the Mississippi schools or Arkansas? Because you've gone back and forth this offseason. I like laughing at Arkansas more. I'm confused about the Mississippi schools. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give 
credit to wait hold on i'm so this thing now says that arkansas plays on grass all right i might have I might have spoken too soon. Are Sorry, we sure Arkansas. about Vanderbilt too? I'm trying to get In 2019, me. Arkansas installed natural grass onto its playing surface, replacing the turf installed under coach Bobby Petrino in 2009. I would say Vanderbilt. Yeah, I guess okay. if I look at that, that looks like turf. Something called something called uh Shaw Sports Legion 46. I wonder if that's that might be grass, honestly, now that I think about it. This Wikipedia uh, table of playing surfaces. I want to shout out Mississippi State for one reason, and I know Mississippi State like has a thing for like like turf grass, like that's kind of their thing. On the thing, it's like grass, 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 grass. Then you get to Mississippi State, and it says prescription athletic turf (parentheses) Tifway four nineteen Bermuda grass. State wants you to know the exact like breed of grass that they've got down on their field, which feels very Mississippi State. Like that, that feels perfect for them, and I think that's where they're really kindred spirits with Auburn. Forty thousand people at the Vanderbilt Stadium. Pretty small, very intimate venue. The uh, yeah, the the record for biggest crowd in Vanderbilt Stadium history is forty one thousand one hundred or four hundred forty eight. Eee, not great. It looks like Cal has turf and Stanford has grass. So I don't know how I don't know how that necessarily holds up. But anyway, it's a long winded way of me saying that I I despise turf. I despise the rubber pellets. Uh and uh I think Auburn fans everywhere should take great pride in the fact that Auburn still plays on grass, that they probably always will play on grass, and that uh and that the the school takes takes a ton of care into put into putting that out on the field. It's the Auburn Observer podcast. The weekend edition. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless in Parts Unknown. What's up, Painter? Hello, hello, hello. So we got a lot to talk about today, Painter. A little, little been been an eventful week since the last we spoke. Been an eventful few days since the last time we talked on the premium podcast. Uh, but I mean, why why wait? Why why mess around here? Let's get right to it. Auburn's quarterback situation. It hasn't been as of recording, and this is we're recording this on Sunday afternoon evening. Um, not a decision yet. I don't expect a decision to come down. I mean, maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday, and maybe later in the week when they have things kind of settled. It's not a done deal, and the coaching staff keeps saying like it is. They're not sure yet, but it sounds like they are. Like other, <laughs> you know, every every other piece of information that we have been able to get right now seems pretty clear that um uh, barring something surprising happen happening here in the next few days tj finley will most likely be your starting quarterback for auburn for the game against mercer and that makes you feel blank painter as the voice of the fan on the podcast surprise yeah uh, not as surprised over the last week. I mean, really, since the first scrimmage, mm-hmm. it became more clear that this was the direction we're going. But 
Yeah, it, uh, it was like... There, I was like, all right, is it going to get interesting? Is it going to tighten up here as fall camp goes on? It's like, nope, it's not going to get more interesting. Yeah, it's I think that first... more clear. I think that first scrimmage was really interesting because it wasn't like, okay, well, TJ's getting the first reps because he's the guy with the most experience in this system. And then it was like, no, oh, he's playing better than the other guys. And I, and I should say, Robbie Ashford was the interesting was the interesting move there um, because, okay, so on Saturday, there's an open practice at Jordan-Hare. It was like media members, and they invited people from Tigers Unlimited, which makes sense. You take care of the people who give you the most money. And then um, there were first responders like police, fire, uh, you know, ambulance, uh, EMS, all that from um, Auburn, Opelika, and Lee Scott, Lee Scott, Lee County areas. Um, I covered a Lee Scott game earlier this week. That's why that's why that popped into my head. Um Auburn Opelika in Lee County, which was a really cool uh thing for for Auburn to do. Um, so it was kind of more of a walkthrough. They had a Friday scrimmage. And coming out of the Friday scrimmage, we heard the exact same thing from Eric Keesaw that we did with Brian Harson on uh, after the first scrimmage, it, just in like a little bit more explicit detail. Wrote about it Friday night at um at the at the observer is that it was the same order again finley ashford calzada that we heard the week before and for calzada the word was like oh we're still bringing him along and i think the thing was that calzada is him not getting that that full speed actual like reps in spring practice really Really caught up to him, I think, in this one. Whereas TJ Finley and 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 Robbie Ashford got to go full blast. And look, I think Auburn expected that you know Calzada to be a hundred percent and he'd be able to go fully in fall camp, and he has. It's just that he's been behind those two guys pretty much the entire camp. Now there have been times where he's looked good throwing the ball. There's drills where he's looked good. But in the scrimmages and in more of like the seven on seven in the game environments, from what we've heard and from what little we've been able been able to see from those times, it's Finley, and then it's Ashford, and then it's Calzada, um, which you talk about being surprised, Penny. You're like that's the surprising thing because this dude. I mean, some people were writing and talking like it was already done. It's like okay, of course he's the guy. He's going to be the guy. They got him. He's got, you know, look at what he did against Alabama. Look what he did at, towards the end of the season. We, you know, we talked about the good numbers he posted. I think there were people that thought Ashford, okay, maybe he has a shot as the wild card, as a guy we haven't seen before. I mean, I wonder how many Auburn fans heading into fall camp thought that Finley was going to be this guy. Like, I would think it would be a very low number. It would be a very low percentage, right? Just couldn't have been very many of you out there that were riding that train hard. And my thing with my thing with Finley from what we've heard and a lot of what we've you know gotten is it's like okay, why TJ Finley? Why has he been able to do this? And a lot of it has been like, oh, well, his maturity, like, that's what Harson said, his maturity, um, you know, stepping up, making the right reads, doing the right things, you know, operationally, putting it together that way. There's been a lot of that. I think the thing that probably stands out the most is you kind of go back to when Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood battled in 19. It was like, okay, who looks the best? Like what, what, 
who is the quarterback when the offense looks the best? And I think smooth, like the smoothest offense, things with the less issues, maybe the bigger plays, maybe the more more impressive performances, um, the better drives have been with TJ Finley, and that's not so hard to believe when you've got a guy that he's competing with in Robbie Ashford that has never played a competitive college snap yet, and a guy in Zach Calzada who is new to the system and did not get the head start in the spring that Ashford did in this system. Like I, That's not surprising. The surprising part comes from what happened to TJ Finley last year, what you saw at the end of the season, and like, look, like, when you go out and get two transfers to replace him, or you know, and, and to compete to replace him, I should say is probably the better way to put it. I mean, the odds seem stacked against him, and yet here we are talking about TJ Finley keeping this job and most likely starting Week One against Mercer as QB one. I think a lot of it comes to, down to the fact that from the spring till now, he's been the guy that. He knows what he's doing in this offense. That experience has paid off, and they think he has taken steps forward. I think the one thing that I think some Auburn fans are pointing out, and they're right to do so, and the thing that has me personally looking at like what does Auburn's offense look like with T.J. Finley as, quarter, as, as, as the starting quarterback this season is this. You still hear a little bit about its accuracy issues. I've seen some of his accuracy issues. And that's something that, I mean, less than 60% completion percentage last year. That's something that's got to be significantly better um, for Auburn to be where they want to be. Now, I'm not saying he's got to go out there and be Peyton Manning in order to for Auburn to have a good team. I think with the defense Auburn has and the running game that they have, just the overall talent level, the way the schedule's set up, they don't need him to be Superman to have a good team this season but if he's still the same passer he was last season in terms of just completion percentage and stuff like that i i question how much better this offense is going to be now again we'll see how much of that comfort and that familiarity and the maturity and all that stuff that brian harson all the intangible stuff that brian harson and the staff keeps saying is a really big deal to them Maybe that has a, an effect and it feeds into the regular. And he's going to have two games early in the season against Mercer and San Jose State where you would think he would be able to get some momentum and post some pretty good games to get the ball rolling. I think if you look at it bluntly, it's hard to feel super optimistic. I mean, his record as a starter is not good. His numbers as a passer with a good sample size at this point. Not great. I think the end question, though, is how far can you take a player who at this point has not been very good? How far can you take him in one offseason with some significant questions at wide out? And you're dealing with the same issues on, on the line that you've been dealing with since 2017, 2018, certainly. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about it on the last podcast. Um, I can't remember if I said it specifically there. If not, I'm going to say it again here. And you know that we have a bigger audience for this one. You know, TJ Finley is the youngest of the three quarterbacks in Auburn's competition, which is kind of funny to think about. Like TJ was young for his class. Uh, secondly, um, you know, 
they're examples from Auburn history of quarterbacks who people kind of left for dead and gave up on. And then later in their careers with different coaches, maybe another year or two in the same system, getting some continuity there. They took a step forward. Jason Campbell is a great example. Ben Leard is another really good example that people have pointed to recently. I think the thing for a lot of Auburn fans is like, if you are sitting here saying, well, you know what you're, you know what you've got with, with Finley, it's not going to work. And you kind of just rejecting the idea that he could get better. I think my counter to that, and look, I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing he's going to get better by any means. I think we'll all have to wait and see, but I think the one thing to keep in mind here is that I think there are some fans that are kind of re- like rejecting the thought that, that Finley could have gotten better this offseason. It can be the quarterback that Auburn needs, can be a good quality starting quarterback for Auburn to accomplish their goals this year because under Gus Malzahn, nobody really got better at quarterback. That was a big knock, right? Uh, Nick Marshall's passing numbers were better his second season than his first season, but not like far and away. You know, not huge gains. Um, Stidham regressed. I mean, there, there's just a number of examples. You didn't see guys get better. And then it took a new coaching staff and a new offense for Bo Nix to get his passing numbers up in his third year. And so I think that's part of it, right? Like, yeah, all, yeah, quarterbacks are capable of getting better, especially when they're young and still have, you know, a lot of gas left in the tank, like a guy like TJ Finley. I can just see where Auburn fans might not think it's going to happen because it hasn't happened in a while. And as it ha- it didn't happen under the last guy, right? And yeah, even the improvement with Bo, I mean, we're still talking about fairly marginal success or improvement. Things were better. You could yeah. point to. I think the month it, of October he had was like really good throwing was, the ball. Yeah, there was a stretch there from that. I don't know second half of the LSU game, whenever it was, through Ole Miss and Arkansas, and even the Mississippi State game that were pretty good. I think that's just the thing is like there might be some sort of mental block because it just didn't happen under Gus. That was not something that, you know, for Gus's strengths and for the positives that he had on the offense, I think quarterbacks taking a step forward and developing was not one of them at Auburn. Brian Harson has that reputation. He has that track record. He has that background to him. Now, it came at Boise State. It's a lot different developing quarterbacks to get better and better and putting them out there when they're playing Utah State and Colorado State and Air Force compared to Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, right? But it's a, you got to keep in mind it's a different it's a different coach, it's a different system. It's a, so again if the off season still as we've talked about all off season long if if this is the time for optimism and you want to lean optimistic, is that, okay, in a small sample size, you did see Bo Nix get better last season under under Brian Harson. Brian Harson does have a reputation of, of developing quarterbacks. Maybe T.J. Finley has made that step up because you got to keep in mind, Finley's got a lot of what you would like in a quarterback. He's huge. He's got a, he's got a powerful arm, right? Um, he has shown an ability to escape. I go back to like what Marcus Harris said about him uh, last week. He said, like, yeah, he's getting the ball out of his hands quicker. And I think it just comes with a comfort in the in the familiarity of the offense. He said, used to, he would hold on to it, take a sack, or, you know, not, not, it seems more decisive. But it's 
the tools are there. It's just you got to give them confidence. And like, yeah, it's hard to have confidence when you're thrown into the fire toward the end of the season and your team's in a losing streak. And all right, all right, now you've got to go be the starter. Now you got to go be the starter. No one thought you were going to be that guy. Go for it. And it didn't work. Now, I'm not making excuses for his play, right? But it's like, this is a completely different situation he could be stepping into. Confidence should be night and day from where he was instead of like, oh, you're the you're the emergency option to now, oh, you're the guy. That that should be that should psychologically that should be a big difference. And how much is that? How much of that is actually helps you on the field? We'll see. Curious to see what it does with the offensive line. Last year, I believe you would tell me that Auburn was middle of the pack in pressure and uh, sack rate wasn't terrible. Uh, I attribute some of that, though, I imagine, to like Bo's ability to, for all his faults of maybe not standing in the pocket and, mm. and how much time we spent talking about that. Like One thing he did do was get the ball away, get the ball out of bounds. Um, TJ doesn't move like that. Now he's six seven, six six. So like bringing a guy like that down is harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, I do wonder though if the offensive line struggles as they might against certain right. teams anyway. Right. What sort of position that puts him in? Sometimes we've seen TJ fall into bad habits with decision making or yep. where he puts the football when he's under pressure. And, and I think with TJ, it's he's got some of that. What we saw with with Bo and his time at Auburn where it's like, it's not that he can't make throws. Like he's made some really good plays and really good throws and pretty much every game he's played. You'd be like, wow, it's just, can you be consistent? That's a million dollar question. The quarterback consistency at the quarterback position is huge. It, It might be the, it might be the, the ultimate, you know, attribute you want in that because it's, you know, you can have a strong arm. You can be super athletic but if there's gaps and and there's spaces between when you actually <laughs> you turn that into positive results, you know it, it doesn't it doesn't help your team out very much. And I guess that's where like Ashford's the Ashford continues to be the X factor here because look Saturday practice we saw Ashford work a little bit with the first team. I don't remember seeing Calzada work with the first team at all. I, I just don't. I think they've talked about Ashford in a more positive light. I think they've also talked about him. Um, I think they, they've also talked about him and like, okay, he's he's starting to become more of a like he's obviously a great athlete. He's obviously got a lot of skills, but like playing the quarterback position at this level, he make that transition. So that's where I think you know the first couple of games of the year. I think there's going to be a door open for multiple quarterbacks to play. And that may be the case where if Ashford comes in and puts on a show, well, that may give you some a little something to think about moving forward. And I don't know if Ashford's def- necessarily like they talk about how great of a runner he is and and you know how great of an athlete he is and how much of a weapon he's got, um, you know, w- with his legs. I, I do. I, I don't know if he's necessarily that type of guy to do like what what Harson did at Boise State with Montel Cozart and like have a true two quarterback system like he he be the 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 running option. But I don't know. It, it he hasn't ruled it out. He talked about it a few months ago as a possibility. So I think that door is going to be open. I just 
I really wonder what's going to happen with with Calzada moving forward because if you transfer and you're the third guy, and you know on Saturday Brian Harson was very open in his praise of how uh, Holt Garner threw the ball, and you just don't hear as much about a guy like Calzada, even though Garner's not in the competition and he's not getting serious reps right now, but that. You know, when they are doing those drills, he's looking really good throwing the ball. It's just, I, I don't know where I don't know where it goes from there. And look, things can change. Maybe we've got the maybe we've all got the wrong read on it, but I just can tell, you know, at this point in in fall camp, you're wanting the guys that are that are going to be contributing for you to be getting a lot of those those first team reps. And if you're not getting them right now, I don't see how you can say that. And then now this guy's gonna be the quarterback. Maybe down the road, maybe later in the season when he gets when he you know catches up, so to speak. I, I I don't know. It's just that that's been the most surprising thing I think of the entire football part of the off season for Auburn. It also blows up my theory from earlier that Auburn might have a pecking order going into the first game, and they'll probably play two quarterbacks because they'll end up smoking the first two teams that they play. Yeah, but I thought that partially because I thought, well, Calzada's still in it, but he's probably not going to overtake whoever's at one by the time ball camp's over. But if he's looking better later in camp, maybe you let them play it out on the field in front of a crowd against a team that's an overmatched opponent. Now it seems like there's enough separation that it's Finley's job to lose, and Astrid will probably get a chance if he is still the second guy, as we presume that he is now. But I don't, I don't. Over, I don't see anyone overtaking him at this point. No, it would have to take like something wild, I think, for Ashford. Um, and it's just like, man, he gets into a game situation. It's like, whoa, like, you know, he's that guy. And even then, it would have to be a ton because what what happens when you play Penn State? What happens when you play SEC teams? He's still a guy that just hasn't done it yet at that level, and so you got to be ready for that. Um, you know, I, I think. I think that's that's gotta gotta come into play as well. But I also say on top of all this, just from you know, and I was talking to a couple of people about this over the weekend, from a personal level, like if it this ends up going the way that we think it's it's gonna go, like, hey man, good for TJ Finley. Like that takes like that takes guts. That takes a lot of you know a lot of uh a lot of toughness, I think, mentally, to say, hey. They got two different guys coming in to try to take this job this offseason, and then you end up winning it and you end up proving that you're the best option. Like, respect, man. Like, that something that very few people thought, like we said earlier, very few people thought was coming or uh, was, was going to happen. That, uh, that, that's a, that's a huge, huge thing. Look, I'm not an idiot. I know as soon as TJ Finley struggles, uh, if he is QB1, as soon as he struggles, it's the, the fans are not going to be kind to him. Robbie Astrid hasn't played in games, which is exciting to people. Right. Yeah, you have no evidence that he's bad yet because you haven't gotten a chance to see it. Now, is there a reason why he has not played? Yes. However, if you're watching someone be bad and someone else hasn't had the opportunity to do that yet, there will be calls for it. Right. And We've to your point, time also, and time I again. Mean, Harson would say this is for competition. This is to make everyone better. And he might well be right in that, but they did recruit over Finley's head. They did. You needed multiple cars. Like you couldn't just go into the year with like, all right, it's just going to be TJ Finley and Holden Garner. Like, no, you needed more. I guess they had Demetrius Davis before they, they got it, but 
you know, that they got the other two guys, but um yeah, I I mean respect respect to TJ if he pulls that off. And I and I think TJ still, even with his struggles last season and the and the losses, I do get the sense from his teammates that they've got faith in him, that he's a popular guy. Um, that was something we heard about him, you know, when he came onto the team last year. We'll see. Well, see. You got to rally the troops around somebody. And I expect if they do name him the starting quarterback here in the next few days, I would imagine there's going to be some real tough feedback. I think there's going to be um, – there's a word I'm trying to th- trying to say. Backlash, that's the word I'm trying to think of, from the fan base. And I think, as, like I said, as soon as he struggles, it's going to be tough. But – yeah, I mean, I think just from a from a like, if you just look at it from a story, it's like, wow. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, Eric Kiesel talked about this on Friday night. It's like when first off is like, oh yeah, you're bringing in more quarterbacks. All right, cool. And then when those quarterbacks started taking first team reps with him, you know, and and he would have to play with the second team or the third team, it was like, oh, it kind of rattled him a little bit to overcome that and then get into a position where, you know, here we are two weeks before the season starts and he's most likely going to be your starting quarterback. Like, that's a great story. I don't know if people will care about how great of a story it is if, you know, he doesn't win. But I guess from where we're sitting right now, like, not a lot of people would have been in the, would, would have been able to pull that off in that situation. And just I mean, and strip away the football performance aspect of it and the and the talent level and all that. I just, it's, it, it's commendable. You mentioned backlash. I am excited for the national reaction whenever it is they oh yeah likely name TJ Finley starter a lot of people understandably from a distance probably are not monitoring the situation and so they may be surprised they'll be taken by su- what the result is they'll be taken by surprise and then some people will be like well this is guaranteed Auburn's going to have a losing season now because people will be getting their jokes off for sure yeah i don't see how they would have thought that like i i don't know I guess if it was the like if they if it would have been Calzada, it'd be like, well, he beat Alabama. But I don't think people were really high on Zach Calzada last season. Like there were uh, jokes made when Auburn got him. I was clinging desperately to you know Seth Galina, really the only person out there putting the flag in the ground that that Zach Calzada is a good player and maybe Auburn fans should be excited because I mean that was it. Like there was just not a whole lot yeah. of people and out look, willing for, to, from, to from, say that about from him. Seth from like Seth backed it up with stats, man. Like he backed it up with with the numbers and, and they they lined up. But you know, and, and I think obviously like Zach Calzada, like you have to be a good quarterback to have the game that you had against Al, uh, Alabama, right? Uh, period. They, you 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 have to be good. There is talent there. I just think that, uh, yeah the the injury set him uh, you know put him put him behind and I just it never there was never that moment where he fa- where you saw him like push past right and 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 make that move. I think a lot of people were wondering when that move was coming, and it never came, and so now it's you know now it's 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 TJ if anything the move has been Ashford being talked about more as the second guy and you know in the spring he he finished he finished camp really really well had a really good a day but I, when you hear Harson talk about all the operations and making sure everybody's lined up right and 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 doing all of that kind of leadership stuff from the quarterback knowing the offense inside and out you know being a 
you know, being being the go-to guy and all that. I think he's got a lot of that to him, and that's why he's in the position he is. My question is, is he better off as a quarterback throwing the ball than he was last year? I guess until he shows it in against a good defense, it's kind of like the offensive line situation where you're like, oh, well, we'll believe it when we see it. And I, and I get that. I, I 100% get that. And I'm sure if he ends up being named the starter, you can talk about how he's bringing it. But I, that first scrimmage, Harson talked about some of the accuracy. I've uh, you know I've seen some stretches where – now, I, I will say on Saturday, he threw the ball really well on Saturday from what I was able to watch uh, of him during the, during the practice. Um, he's had some really good days. Uh, and I think that, you know, those guys have had their positives and their negative days as well, but it's, it's that experience in the offense and it's, uh, it just looks, it just looks smoother. Things look smoother and more comfortable with him at the helm. Not saying he's a perfect quarterback, not saying he's going to miss throws. Every quarterback's going to do that, but that's why TJ Finley's in the position he is right now. And that's why this week, you know, it's probably when you're going to hear that he's going to be the the starter. Speaking of the offensive line, by the way, got a little bit more we can say about the Nick Brom situation. Because, look, we're trying to play by the rules here and say, you know, hey, who's out here at practice, who's not? And I can say, like, look, here's who's out there. <laughs> you know, I can't tell you who's injured and who's out. But we have had coaches, now two of them, in, in Keesaw and, and Harson say that, you know, Nick Brahms, um, they're still trying to figure out what's going on with him. Um, he had a he had a operation done over the summer. Cause I mean he's had he's had a lot of injury issues over his career, and this goes all the way back to when he was in high school. Um and I think it's it's at the point now where it's uncertain if he's gonna be fully ready to go for the start of this season, at least. And that's why you've heard more about Tate Johnson. That's why you've seen guys like Avery Jernigan being talked about getting some reps for the first team. That's why Brandon Council's been snapping the ball more. Not as much about Jaleel Irvin, who is is more of a guard right now. I think the thing with Jaleel Irvin is like they he's got experience, but I think some of the snap issues go back to the um go back to the bowl game against Houston as an example there. Uh, that's why he's, they're working different guys you know, touch the ball. That's that's the one thing I think this year, Tate Johnson, like Tate Johnson's gonna have to be really good. If it's him, he's gonna have to be really good really quickly. Cause playing center, as Hartson said yesterday, playing center is hard. You have to be the second quarterback. And one of the values I have in Nick Brahms out there is that he's just done it so much. And there's a lot of reads and there's a lot of stuff you have to do other than just and snapping is a whole other ball game in and of itself. Before then, you have to do offensive line guy stuff when it comes to pass protecting and run blocking. It's a lot of extra stuff. So to give it to a guy who's only played in mop up duty in one game, whoo! And you're like younger than everyone else. Like if you've ever been in a scenario where you're the young guy, you're not always eager to speak up. And there's an element of like, well, you don't really have a choice. That's your job now. Yeah, Tate Tate Johnson. He, he's he's. Weight-wise, he's not as big as the other guys on the offensive line. I want to know how much that'll happen. They talk about his quickness. You know, we we say Auburn needs to get better at run blocking first and foremost. Is Tate Johnson one of those guys that maybe that quickness helps, especially when they go inside zone, getting to the second level of something? There's so many times you saw Auburn last season 
run something out of zone blocking, it would just be like they just get muddied up at the line of scrimmage. Nobody would ever peel off to the second level. Nobody would ever get up there. It wouldn't spring anything. You would just kind of run into a pile. Um, maybe his quickness there will help with that. I find it interesting that Brandon Council has had some snaps at center. I think they're preparing for a life where he might have to do that, but he's still getting a lot of reps at left guard. I think Cam Stutz has kind of emerged as like next man up. So if you move, if you're in a situation where Council plays center, I think Stutz moves up at left guard there. I think the other three spots on the offensive line, uh, Killian Zyre, left tackle, Keandre Jones, right guard, Austin Troxel, right tackle. I think those are pretty much set in stone. It's just like, are they really uh, this week when they start settling depth charts and they get like go into extended game prep week uh, for, for Mercer and, and the first few games of the year and looking ahead and, you know, getting into out of practice, like preseason practice mode and into like, let's, let's play football mode. Um, let's play an actual game. Do they have that faith in Tate Johnson? That's that's a big question because this Auburn offensive line, I think the saving grace for them this year was going to be, well, they have a lot of experience. And Brahms had a ton of experience. And if Brahms isn't able to play the beginning and you put a guy in who doesn't have any experience for the most part on the offensive line, it's like, okay, this line coming back with experience, there were still going to be a lot of question marks about him. And now you're taking out some of what the benefit was going to be or at least the, the biggest positive was going to be for that group. And look, I, I I said earlier in in, pre, in in camp where I thought when the Cam Stutz hype was was building up is like, hey, if he's a guy that can actually give you an upgrade in run blocking, it's like, no, he's not experienced, but you know he can. He's got a skill set, and he's got uh, the way he plays can help you in run blocking. Do it, and maybe Tate Johnson's got some of that to him, and that's why they're willing to start him and keep Council at left guard. But it, it it just it throws into doubt and um you know I guess pessimism for 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 some Auburn fans I would say about this offensive line because you already had questions and now here's somebody who hasn't done it before and that that's like an ultimate like boom or bust type of situation for your group it could work there's a lot of reasons why it couldn't work once again it has to be said that Auburn's schedule breaks about as well as it could for for someone like Tate Johnson. I mean, you're going to play all these games, even your tough games at home. Uh, it almost doesn't matter. Like when you play Georgia, it probably w- would be harder to play them in week two because you're still yeah. getting your feet under you. But I think I know the results of that game. And I think I know what Georgia defensive linemen do to any offensive lineman, young or old. So in a way you do get a bit of a ramp as we've talked about some to figure things out. I, I'd like to think that that matters a little bit at the end of the day, like Tate Johnson and the rest of the offensive line. Yeah, they'll have to. It's, it's like I, what I said about TJ. Like, he's going to have some time to build up some momentum and some confidence. But like, at some point, you do just have to be good because once right. you get into the meat of that schedule in October. Yeah. Is that going to be artificial confidence no or is it going to be a real thing? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're 100% right there. I think the rest of the offensive line is set. We'll see how much better they are, uh, you know, at, at run blocking this year. I think Killian Zyre taking over his full time left tackle is. You know, they've that's kind of where the winds have been blowing all offseason uh for for that side of the field. I think Troxel at right tackle with his experience and his a bit when he's healthy, what he can do is kind of like a road grader, not having to protect the blind side as much as or or at all, but not having to have quite a like look, if you're gonna if you're out of the shotgun, you need 
you need both your tackles to be good. And you need both your tackles to be good at pass protection anyway. But your left side, blind side, that's why the left tackles get paid more than right tackles in the NFL. That's why you, you know, that's why you have that kind of better pass protector on the left side. And I think Trox, while he still is a, is a, you know, obviously has a lot of experiences as a pass protector, I think his work as a, as a run blocker can help place what Auburn lost there. And Brady or Sam, it could be a really good tag team over there with, with Keandre Jones on the right side. Um, eh. Yeah, it's like I don't – they're not going to get tested a ton in the first game. They'll get tested a little more in the second game, and they'll get really tested in the third game, comparatively speaking. Um, it's the same thing with T- if TJ Finley's a starter. It's like you will be able to build up so, some of that confidence and momentum. But like I said, how much of it is artificial confidence and how much of it is like real deal momentum, real deal progress – you know, real deal. Hey, you know, this is going to be different. That's why it's, they play the games. It's more of a niche topic, but Damari Alston, you wrote recently. Yeah. Having so a I, little bit of a positive time at campus, things roll on. Yeah. Getting more third team uh, reps, you know, third in line and, and drills at running back. Not to take anything away from Sean Jackson um, at all, because I think Auburn staff really likes Sean Jackson, but Damari Alston. Obviously, really good four-star running back coming out of high school. Running back's a position where you can start or you can play quicker. I should say you're not going to start in front of Tank Bigsby or Jarquez Hunter, but um, you can play and get on the field quicker at running back than you can other positions as a true freshman. So even though he didn't enroll early, in a good good spot to maybe carve out a role as that third running back. I, I'm interested to see where they use Demari Austin. Obviously, those first couple of games are going to make it easier to get him involved on the field. But yeah, good progress from him. Um, and then the other one, Keontae Scott working some with first team nickel we saw on Saturday. This dude, last guy arrive on campus, and I don't know if he'll be a star. He's definitely going to be in the two deep. And I think the one little, I think the one little potential tweak you might see in the secondary this year, and I think it, it could also be situational, might not be like starting lineup, but the one little tweak that you might see is like, you know, Donovan Coffin's played a lot of nickel. And he's kind of the primary nickel. I, I don't think they're necessarily eager to play Nehemiah Pritchett a ton there, some other guys, although everybody's going to have to play some nickel at some point, as I wrote about earlier in the in the month, as Zach, Zach Etheridge said. But if Keontae Scott early in the season proves to be he, uh, uh, the best option for them as a, as a nickel, then you can move Donovan Kaufman and play him a little bit more at safety. And then you got him and, and you got Puckett and, and Kaufman back there. And then you're not putting as much on, on Caden Bridges right off the bat. Now, I think Caden Bridges has had a great offseason. There's a reason why he's a, 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 in the first team mix at safety. Um, but brand new starter compared to a guy maybe a little older. Obviously, Kyle Scott being an older guy. I think Kaufman. It'll be interesting to see what Kaufman does at nickel. He had you know a decent amount of experience there last year. Um, but safety is also a good spot for him. I think Keontae Scott could give you more as a coverage weapon there, and I think Donovan can give you more of the safety stuff. Craig McDonald, another one to keep an eye on. Maybe in the dime, you see him a little bit more. Um, and then, of course, you know, you've got DJ James and Jason Jones, you know, up front. Uh, some guys that may not, quote unquote, be like in that two, four, five, may not, quote unquote, be starters, but are going to be out there a good bit. Uh, but yeah, 
Damari Austin and Keontae Scott, two guys that, you know, for Damari summer arrival, for Keontae late summer arrival, could be in the mix here pretty quickly. Uh, and then, of course, the ultimate summer arrival uh, that has done super well is Cantor Brown. We've talked about him a ton here in camp. Um, with Shed Jackson resting on Saturday, not putting him as much out there because it, you know he is the experienced guy there in position. Uh, wide receiver, more reps with the first-team offense for Cannon Brown, which I think is a good sign. And also really interesting, that that back and forth we've seen, and I think both these guys are going to be used a good bit, so maybe it's just semantics, but Tavares Dawson and Javarius Johnson at the slot, you got Landon King kind of moving around and, and kind of being a uh, the matchup weapon there in the slot. I, I, I do wonder, Dan Peck... Um, we were talking at practice on Saturday, just kind of thinking out loud. I do wonder how many, like, if you can play Javarius Johnson and Tavares Dawson at the same time. Like, if there's sets, there's situations where they feel like that'll work. Because that, there is an argument made that those would be two of your four best receivers this year. And so try to find a way to make that happen. We'll see. Because right now they're playing the, you know, in the base level of the same position. But yeah, Cannon Brown continues to look really, really good. And um, last season, Auburn did not. I mean, it was just Jarquez Hunter, Landon King, who played as true freshmen. I think we're going to see see that change here, and uh, it'll be a higher number here in twenty twenty two. And I think Damari and and Cannon Brown are two great examples of that. It does feel like, depending on who you're talking to and what mood they're in, like Dawson and Javarius Johnson, get a lot of praise. I feel like consistently they're the ones I've heard the most about. Yeah, and and I think you there's, might find that uh, maybe it's different for y'all. You're you're around the coaches more than I am. Obviously. It's like shed. It's like shed jacks. If I had to pick like the three guys I've heard the most about, or like the guys that I feel like are going to be the starters, quote unquote, at wide receiver, I think shed Jackson, Malcolm Johnson Jr. and Tavares Dawson make sense. Javarius is also it's it's close. I. I think I, I firmly believe in a top six at wide receiver. And I think you can't like any combination is it Coy Moore also is a guy that deserves to get a lot of mention here. And I think it's just like you can't go wrong with who necessarily like there might be some games where a guy who's a backup may have a bigger game than the starter situationally or something. I just I feel like the group is deeper. I feel like they're a more polished than they were at this time last season because look, man, I kill your I kill your knows what he's doing. You don't get to coach that long in the NFL if you don't know what you're doing with wide receivers. By the way, before we take care of some business, Auburn soccer's up eight to nothing right now. I don't know anything about Southern Miss so- soccer, but I will say this: you got to be really, really good to beat anybody eight to nothing in soccer. It's not necessarily a sport like you could be teeing off at the goal and getting a lot of looks and a lot of opportunities. You might not score eight goals. So, really, really good start to the season for for Auburn, Auburn soccer, and should be should be a good year for Auburn soccer. Compared, they were picked to finish fourth in the SEC, which is one of the highest picks I've seen them in a while. Um, Anna Haddock is kind of their go to goal scorer this year. Top one of their top midfielders, um, one of the top midfielders in the in the country, I should say. So keep an eye on them, and uh, if you're if you're in town. Uh, on Thursday night, I mean, if you live here, obviously, but if you're in town early for a football weekend and Auburn soccer's at home, or if you're hanging around on Sunday when they're at home, go watch them. 
Auburn soccer games are a lot of fun. I'm biased because I like soccer, but they're they a fun don't team. Charge anything either? Nope. And they put you know, Karen Hoppe puts out a really consistent product. Uh, I think is on Auburn's campus is, might be the most underrated coach. I, I think. I think. I think Butch Thompson's gotten his due. I think he's gotten his flowers after after this past, past year. I I would I would call Karen Hoffer probably the most underrated coach at Auburn. Longevity. She's been there for a long time. They have hit Auburn, some nice highs at certain. And they're going to be in the mix. Her. Yeah, they haven't won a championship. It's really hard to win a championship in the SEC. Really hard to win a championship in college soccer, uh, just because of the setup. But like, they're going to be in the mix more often than not. And uh, so, shout out to shout out to Auburn soccer team. All right. Uh, let's take care of some business first. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like more of it and all the writing that I do at the observer, you can subscribe. It's just $45 for your first year. It's a special that we're running right now. A lot of you have taken advantage of it. Welcome aboard. If you have, uh, we will continue that deal through the rest of this week. So tell your friends, uh, tell your enemies, tell anybody that you know that loves Auburn. Give us a shot. AuburnObserver.com. $45. It, that works out to like, shoot, at this point, you're you're, you're going to be paying like pocket change, uh, you know, per month. And uh, for the amount of stuff that, we, that we've got uh, coming your way, you get, like I said, all of our newsletters and you get a bonus podcast. You get twice as much of this podcast and also you get um, the critically acclaimed uh, Friends of the Program podcast with Painter and uh, our friends Pablo Escobarner and Big Dave McKinney. Uh, you guys, you guys, uh, I, I don't know. Y'all don't tell me anything. Uh, lining up another podcast in the near future. I would imagine there's going to be another one before the Mercer game. I would think that there will be one after the quarterback is announced certainly yeah. there will be one before uh we get all the all the football started i think i'm going to go to a college football game for week zero so i am oh. excited about that yes yes gonna find out how life is like in other parts of the country on game days i actually think it's going to be uh, very funny probably not quite what i'm used to but nonetheless i'm excited if to it's... see how these people do it if it's the team, I think. If it's the team, I think you're you're going to see. Yes, it is going to. Yeah, that'll be that'll be quite a difference from what you're used to, there, brother. <laughs> I can uh, I can assure you that that'll be a that'll be a step. That'll be a step for sure. Also, as I, as I'm saying this, look, pretty much everywhere in the country right now. I don't know if you're up north or out west. I really don't know what's going on, but in the south at least, high school football's back. Um, go watch high school football. It's fun. If you got some stuff to do on Friday night, it's I I really enjoy I really enjoy being a part of it. Uh, you know, covering it, but uh, it, it is also really fun to see just you know the communities and and just people getting fired up. It's it's a good it's a good appetizer for 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 the college game on Saturday. So if you have the ability to go watch a high school football game, that's an ad for high school football. There you go. Here's an ad for Homefield Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to purchase collegiate apparel. The most comfortable t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, joggers that you're going to find anywhere. The coolest designs you're going to find anywhere. There's a ton of Auburn stuff. 
shout out to shout out to Homefield. Big news Saturday came to an end. Season four, they they're retiring the gimmick. Ohio State. I did find it funny that Ohio State talked a lot of game and couldn't beat Penn State. That that to me is so, quite funny. So appropriate. Very on brand for the good brand. Yeah, and uh, also yeah. a good problem to have when you can just be like, you know, we've made so much money and we anticipate making more of it that we don't need to do this anymore. Nope. Uh, home field has a lot of cool Auburn stuff. Uh, I think what I'm going to do now when we do these reads is I'm just going to pick a, I'm going to pick a, an Auburn design that I like, and I'm going to tell you about it and why you should buy it. And this week I'm choosing the, because I saw this one actually out in the wild the other day. I saw somebody uh, in downtown Auburn wearing this one and and it is, it is one of my favorite ones. I'm going to shout out the 1957, Auburn National Championships t-shirt. It is on a really comfortable uh like light gray, heather gray. All all of Homefield's t-shirts are super comfortable, but that heather gray, I've got a I've got a couple of heather gray shirts from Homefield, the light heather. It's great. Um it's 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 a tiger. He's sitting majestically. He's on top of a football. The football says number 1 national champions. His tail is holding a sign that says Auburn Tigers. I don't know how he pulled that off. It's pretty impressive. Uh, he's got a crown on his head that says 1957 champs, and he's got like a he's got a pretty proud smirk on his face. Uh, and it's a really really cool design. Uh, I saw, like I said, I saw it. Uh, somebody was wearing it in downtown Auburn last week, and it reminded me that is a really really cool look. You can get that at homefieldapparel.com. And you can get 15% off your first order at Homefield if you use the promo code Observer when checking out. So homefieldapparel.com, buy you some Auburn stuff. It's a great time to gear up. If you order it now, I'll be able to get it in by the time the season starts. Auburn's got first five home games. You need to gear up with some T-shirts. If you want to go ahead and get ready for the cooler temps, get you some hoodies. Uh, and it might not might not be Auburn that you're necessarily going after. might be a school that you care about or a school that you think looks cool. Uh, Homefield's got you covered there uh, as well. So AuburnObserver.com. Uh, I'm sorry, homefieldapparel.com. AuburnObserver.com is where you sign up for our stuff. Homefieldapparel.com is where you buy stuff and uh, use the promo code Observer when checking out. And uh, you, you're doing that. Painter has stepped away from the microphone. So I'm going to do his ad right here. And it's not more of an ad, it's, it's more of a thing that we tell you all the time. If you like our podcast and you, like, and you would want more of it, here's a way you can. Um, help us out for absolutely free and that is rating reviewing and subscribing go to apple Podcasts, uh click the search bar type in the auburn observer click the auburn observer scroll down to ratings and reviews tap right a review say something nice about painter give us five stars we will read it on the air uh we're gearing up for another round of these um so we need a couple we need some more we haven't had you know, we had we had a couple here last week uh, we're asking for asking for you guys to give us a little more as well. So we ask you to get a subscription. You get more of the podcast. You get all the newsletters. But if you want to help us out for absolutely free, whether you're a subscriber or not, that's the easiest way to do it. And you also give us five stars on Spotify. That helps us out a ton as well. Yes, Painter. Nothing more. Nothing more to say. I don't think I even intended to flag you down. <laughs> okay. I, I, I thought you it looked like you were about to say something. Uh, I, perhaps it's the beauty of the zoom podcast. I will say this though, knock on wood. We have not had the issues that we had. Our last premium podcast was a nightmare to try to record. And I don't think it came through at all in the actual 
recording and the product, the end product, because Painter uh, is really good at editing. Uh, but it was it was a nightmare, and uh, I'm blaming Zoom for it. And no problem so far with Zoom today. So the gods have smiled upon us so far. So everybody, give a give a hand clap wherever you are, whether you're driving in your car, whether you're um, you know listening in your in your home, where else to be uh, on a run, shower. I guess. In the shower, uh, wherever you are right now, I would say, um, right now, give a spontaneous uh, round of applause for Painter and his hard work as the editor of this podcast because uh, he does an excellent, excellent job of making my junk look good and read well on uh, on uh, on the newsletter side, but also he makes all this happen on the podcast side. So, uh, and I know if you aren't clapping, so uh, do it. Uh, because I uh, that's how podcasts work. It's obviously a two. It's like a two way mirror. Um, Painter, big week coming up here for Auburn. Sounds like the depth charts are going to start to be close to settled at this point. We've talked about a lot of the position groups at this point. Not a whole lot of drama in spots other than maybe quarterback. Although we feel where that's kind of headed. Offensive line will be interesting. Some of the secondary looks looks like it could be maybe mobile a little bit, but. Brian Harson is going to talk on Tuesday. So Auburn has an off day on Monday. They're going to do a lot of like staff evaluation and 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 doing a lot of that work then. And then on Tuesday, they're going to hit the practice field again. And then Brian Harson is going to talk afterwards with the 2022 team captains. Now, let's talk about that for a little bit. Auburn had two team captains last year, permanent captains, Owen Papo, and Chandler Wooten. And then they had two like rotating game by game captains. The guys got to pick. If you had to pick the two captains right now, who do you think they would be? Because I think I have them. And like, I would be interested to see if Owen was a permanent captain again. I think it's a possibility. But for, for this exercise, let's go. Let's go away from Owen. I'll go tank. On offense, honorable mention. If it's not Tank John Samuel Shanker, um, you said to, you said to stay away from Papo, but I think I'm not going to be surprised if that's actually who it is. And then uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's either of the two guys that we spent a lot of time talking about on the defensive line. My picks, I, I could see it being John Samuel Shanker and Derek Hall. I go back to you know the two two of the three guys we talked to at SEC Media Days. These are the two seniors of that group. Tank would be an interesting pick, obviously. They've heard a lot about his leadership. It's probably going to be his last year, going to be a key player, all that good stuff. But I about Shanker and Hall, how outspoken they were about defending the staff, what happened earlier in the year. Those are guys that people talk about. They're going to be on the field a lot. Shanker played a ton last season. Derek Hall played a ton last season. I think Hall definitely is one of your best players. I think Shanker is one of your most valuable players, uh, period. Uh, for what for all the variety of things he does in this offense, so that would be my two. It'd be interesting if Papo did it again. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if that that was the direction. Um, Colby Wood would be an interesting pick as well, uh, just because of a guy that's that's been around for a minute um, and is a, is such a key player. Uh, Shed Jackson maybe the wild card there as well uh, on, on offense, but it'll be interesting to see how all that kind of comes together uh, for. Uh, for Auburn, um, and just what those guys have to say, and maybe you're closer to a quarter to a quarterback announcement by then as well. 
Do you know how they determine that? Did they give the players a vote? Is it strictly done by the staff? Um, you know, that's a great question. Let's see. Yeah, so it was a team vote last year. Chandler Wooten and uh, Owen Papo were were named as as a team vote. So yeah, maybe that's that's where a guy like Tank could be in the mix. That's where a guy like Colby. It'll be interesting to see since it is the player it is player led. Um, who they end up picking, and then then they have. Last year they had two game by game captains as well, I believe. Like they had two permanent and two rotating ones, uh, and so a lot of key players for Auburn got to got to be that last season. So, yeah, that's a good that's a that's a good, good point to make. Uh, who do the players see as that? Like who are the leaders uh, there, and who do they view as 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 the top two guys? If it were going to be someone off the offensive line, who would it be? I, I have no idea asking the question out loud, but as I give you a second to think about it, I mean, there's a number of guys. I, the automatic choice would have been Brahms. Would have been Brahms, like a yeah. rotational captain, uh, but obviously there's some doubt there. Right. Trox, you know, I don't know yeah. necessarily like how else, but he's, you know, he's been there just as long as Brahms has. Yeah, that would probably be my my move over there. I would think but it would be Austin Troxel. All right, heck, I mean, I know he's not the most outspoken guy in the world, but I think you could, I think you could pick a guy like Nate Bridget to be absolutely fine uh, in terms of a guy that that people a well liked player on on the team, and uh, and obviously he's going to be one of the key key guys on defense. Yeah, it'll be, I'll be, uh, uh, that'll be something really cool to see. Uh, you know where where all that shakes out uh, early in the week and the depth chart. I don't think you'll get an actual depth chart until like us, like the public, will get it until game week. But seems like things will start to get nailed down here pretty quick. And I just I don't know. Like I feel I feel pretty confident about like if I had to pick a depth chart right now, I feel pretty confident about getting them out there just because we've had so much access, which is great, and there's just been a lot of consistency. Uh, to those units out there, there's been some guys mixing and matching. There's been some, cha- but we've seen a lot of the the same things, and I think that shows a sign of a team that is pretty locked in on what they've got to do. And it's just going to be a matter of putting it out on the field this year. I do appreciate that they're not doing the smoke and mirrors thing in the preseason. Like it really, I just don't think it helps the coaches that much. No, like, and you're I not going to want to waste so your time. Strange. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we've talked a lot about how for this particular staff. More access, not a bad thing. Not going to save your job if things don't go well, but build up goodwill where you can, yada, yada, yada. But just as a general rule, coaches being paranoid about us having a pretty good idea of what the depth chart looks like, even if it's like maybe not 100% across the board. I, I do think if you projected a depth chart today, you'd get it pretty close to what we'll see against Mercer. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think you would get, I think you would get the 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 same thing. The only thing I'm just offensive line, the way that shakes out is gonna be interesting to see. Maybe the pecking order on some on the defensive line, but in the second string, I think the starters feel pretty pretty solid uh across the board. And again, like you said, credit goes to the staff for not doing the messing around with other people because I know for a fact that happened <laughs> under the previous staff because we would like, see something and be like, what are we doing? What? This is, y'all have yeah, got, got to be busy. You tell me also, that you're working 80, 90 hour weeks. <laughs> Seems like a waste of your time. Also, uh, while we're here, uh, shout out to uh, Jake Levant 
the uh, the newest scholarship member of the Auburn Football Tigers, uh, getting a scholarship on uh, on Saturday. They they gave him a scholarship during uh during like a, a huddle, like a meeting in the middle of the field. Um, he said didn't see it coming. You know, was truly surprised. His his his, uh, his dad was in town, I believe they they said, uh, which was had to be really cool to to see that. Vance been a guy that I think during like seven on seven and some like passenger situation, we've seen him out there. Um, he's going to play on special teams, according to Harson, on some several several units. Uh, but I don't know, man. Really cool to see. Whenever you get to see a walk on, get a scholarship. Yeah, you know, and and I think you know there are people who will say like. Oh, oh, they don't have you know. Of course, I'll give it to give it to a walk on because they can't recruit or anything. That's not the point. That's that's not what happens. You don't. It's like every year. It happens every year. You don't fill up your you don't fill up your scholarships. That's just that's just the name, especially in the transfer portal area. You're not gonna you're not gonna fill out your scholarships. Um, you know, you bring in twenty five, twenty five, twenty five at the max. It's, it's numbers game's weird. Like you just don't max it out anymore. Nobody does. Like nobody maxes out their 85 anymore. And so you get to this point and you and you find the players that you want to reward for their for their for their effort. You know, shout out for shout out to a guy like uh like Levant for getting that for getting that honor. And uh really cool moment to see the his teammates kind of swarm him and and celebrate. And then he said he said afterwards he could have ran all day after after practice uh, with the as much energy and motivation he had after getting that scholarship. He did get an interception towards the end of practice. Uh, happy Jake Levant Day for for everyone. But yeah, really really cool story. And um, wouldn't be surprised. We've seen some guys who are walk ons or ex walk ons at Auburn make an impact on um, special teams over the last few years. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy you hear. Making plays, you'll hear his you'll hear his name on the radio or on TV uh, during games this season. I think that's uh, he he does move well and uh, he holds his own out there, especially when they do like second team work uh, with uh, with passing drills and stuff like that. So, really really cool stuff. I want to go to Morgantown during basketball season. Oh, you want to talk basketball? I don't really want to talk about basketball that much because I don't know if there's anything else to add, but I want to go to Morgantown. All right. Let's go to Morgantown. If, if, if you are able to go, you should go. I think you should go. I don't know if it, I don't know how much fun. What what is there what what is the cuisine scene in Morgantown? I don't know. I've heard good things about Morgantown though. I will say that. Uh Panthers bring that up because Auburn basketball plays in Morgantown this year. In case you don't know, that is a non-conference game on January 28th, part of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Auburn finalized its uh its non-conference schedule earlier this week. These games we already knew. I think these dates we already knew, pretty much all of them as well, but you know, reporting from folks like uh the guys who cover strictly college basketball scheduling uh and then, you know, the machines like John Rothstein uh, out there, uh, but here it is. Uh, I'm gonna run it down real quick because Auburn's got a world tour this year, and we know where Auburn's gonna play in the SEC. We just don't know the order yet. But the non-conference schedule, uh, November second, which is a Wednesday, they will play uh, University of Alabama at Huntsville in an exhibition game. Uh, November seventh, a Monday, rare Monday night, not Tuesday night, Monday night, starting college basketball season this year. November seventh, Monday night, Auburn. Host George Mason in the opener, 
Friday night, November 11th, they play uh, South Florida at home. It's part of that home-and-home series that they had. November 15th, which is a Tuesday, they will play uh, a non-bracketed Cancun Challenge game, just an extra game because uh, the the Cancun Challenge is not a three-game event. It's a two-game event uh, in their neutral site. They'll play Winthrop. Uh, Friday, November 18th, Auburn hosts Texas Southern. Then they go to Cancun for the Cancun Challenge. Tuesday, November 22nd, they play Bradley. Uh, and then they will play the either uh, Northwestern or Liberty uh, on, on the 23rd. They come back home Sunday, November 27th. So that is the day after the Iron Bowl. They will play St. Louis at home. They will play Colgate that Friday, December the 2nd. Then the uh, have a break for finals. They come back December 10th. That is a Saturday. They will play in Atlanta. They're back in the holiday hoops giving against Memphis. Uh, they are playing Georgia State on Wednesday, December 14th. That's one of the newer pickups on that on that uh, roster. And then the West Coast Swing, USC on Sunday, December 18th, the week before Christmas. And then uh, Wednesday, December 21st, Auburn plays Washington. And as Painter said, January 28th, a Saturday in the middle of SEC play, Auburn at West by God, Virginia. Pretty good. I mean, you get Mexico, you get Atlanta, which you 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 try to play in Atlanta every year at this point. Uh, you get Morgantown, West Virginia, you get LA and Seattle, and then you get a pretty big world tour uh, of the SEC. You have played in Israel already. Auburn basketball taking taking it all over the place this year should be a really fun schedule, and uh, I'm hoping to try to get to as many of these games as possible. The West Coast will be quite tough. Don't think I'm gonna be making it in Mexico though. Shout out to Julia Louise Dreyfus, noted mom of a former Northwestern basketball player. Mm-hmm. Why are you shout? Oh, oh, because Auburn could play Northwestern potentially. Yeah, potentially play Northwestern. Maybe um, she'll be there. Maybe she'll be <laughs> in Mexico watching watching uh, watching Northwestern basketball. They were one of those teams that like had not made the tournament either ever or in a very long time when they finally broke through. Um, and like every person who worked for ESPN was very happy because they all went to Northwestern for some reason. I don't know. I don't get it. Also, as we were recording this painter, it is final Auburn nine Southern miss nothing Auburn soccer on a roll. Just want to read off some stats here real quick. Auburn had 13 shots on goal and scored nine times. That is, uh, not a great save rate, not a great save rate. Uh, Auburn had 28 shots in total. Uh, spread it around. You had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different players registered assist. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different players scored goals with Sabrina McNeil uh, being the uh, being the only player to score multiple goals as well. And uh, I hope I'm pronouncing her name now. I believe it's Maddie Pras- Praska. Uh, the goalkeeper for Auburn had a pretty had a pretty easy day. 90, 90 minutes played, only saw four shots, two of them on goal, made two saves. So always good as a goalie. We can sit back there, probably as a defender too. We can sit back there and just watch watch your offense just go a full open season on 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 the other team. But big star for Auburn soccer, and uh, like I said, we uh, looking forward to what is coming up next here for Auburn basketball and. Of course, the Auburn football team. A lot of stuff going on there. You will want to follow us, follow along with us at auburnobserver.com. Like I said, $45 for your first year. It's the cheapest price we've ever offered. 
25% off our normal rate. You get all the newsletters, you get all the podcasts, including the Friends of the Program podcast with Painter Dave and Pablo. You can get that all sent to your email inbox most mornings, pretty much every morning at this rate, at 6 a.m. Central Time, and then other times throughout the day because, you know, surprise things happened and I end up writing a newsletter at 7 o'clock at night. Appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody supporting uh, The Observer. We've got some cool stuff here in the works coming soon. Uh, if you listen to our premium podcast on Friday, we hinted at something new that's coming. Uh, and uh, you'll have to you have to sign up to hear about that. But uh, hopefully, hopefully we will have more news on that here shortly uh, for those of you in the inner circle. All right. That'll do it for me. Painter, final thoughts. TJ Finley, let's ride. I heard he sang a good song. I heard he had a style. And so I came to see him and